This episode of Remnant Radio is brought to you in part by our sponsors at Kairos Classrooms. Have you ever thought about learning a biblical language as a supplemental tool in your biblical studies? Well, Kairos Classrooms offers real classroom environments with with classmates and a live instructor who can help teach you biblical languages, both Greek and Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. Uh, The price for a single semester is crazy affordable for anyone, so check out the links in the description and use promo code REMNANT to get 10% off Kairos Classrooms. Check out Kairos Classrooms today. Discount code R-E-M-N-A-N-T, REMNANT, to get 10% off your semester. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Wonderful World of Remnant Radio. We've got Jackie Pullinger with us, and we're going to be discussing her life, her ministry. It's going to be an exciting program. You guys stay tuned. You are watching The Remnant Radio, a crowd-funded show where we interview pastors, teachers, historians, and theologians from different churches and denominations. My name is Joshua Lewis, and this is my co-host, Michael Roundtree. Together, we want to help you break outside of your theological echo chambers. If you're interested in learning about history, theology, or the gifts of the Spirit, this is the show for you. Guys, thank you so much for tuning into this program today. It's a little bit late for many of you, so I appreciate you guys staying up and jumping into the live program since we have Jackie with us. If you have questions, drop them into the live comment section. If we we see a few of them that are like, man, those are exceptional, we're going we're gonna to toss them and lob them over to Jackie to see what her thoughts are on those. Uh, but without further ado, uh, if you haven't subscribed to Remnant Radio, it's really trending right now. We just hit 100,000 subscribers. You should jump on that bandwagon. I'm not a big fan of jumping on the bandwagon, but this one I am. So go ahead and hit the like button if you like this video. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, if you don't like the video, hit dislike twice, uh, and we will uh, continue cranking out this content here. If you want to support us, there there's links in the description. The top link is for PayPal. Uh, that's a one-time gift of any amount. And the link right underneath, underneath it is Patreon. If you give as low as five bucks a month, you'll get access to extra content. But if you're out there and you're like, I can't afford five bucks a month, that's cool. Send me an email, josh at theremnantradio.com, and I will send that to you for free. Without further ado, this is the clan. Michael, we're really excited about this episode. Uh, Jackie, I want to introduce you in just once in, in just one moment, but but I really want Michael to, to blow a lot of positive smoke before we dive into it. Michael, uh, how excited are you that we're interviewing Jackie Pullinger? I am flipping excited. Okay, so Jackie Pullinger, she wrote this book right here, Chasing the Dragon. You guys should read it. Uh, it's, it's an amazing book and uh, an amazing story of just the way God works and... Uh, I don't want to give away the story. We're going to kind of uh, unpack a little bit of it here today. But what an awesome meet, uh, Jeff, who um, was an inspiration to my uh, mentor, Jack Deere, and then now Sam Storms, as I'm in OKC now. Uh, Sam talks about you a lot, Jackie, and um, and just an inspiration to so many people. And I, I watched you speak. Uh, gosh, it was at uh, an IHOP thing. So I know you're associated with Mike Bickle a little bit. And um, but Jackie, wow, just the uh, your your story and the slow boat to China and all that. We're gonna unpack a lot of it. But uh, it's a real honor uh, to have you on the show. So uh, thank you so much. And guys, we actually had to trick Jackie. Uh, to get her to come on camera it, at Jackie, it was an accident, but there's a little confusion about remnant radio being a video podcast. So uh, Josh, you're the one who named this thing. Why'd you call it? Remnant I'll take radio? responsibility for it this time, Michael. I really will. Uh, it was bad branding. <laughs> Nobody thought we were going to take off on YouTube. We thought we were going to do a podcast. The so radio made sense at the time. So there you I got, go. I got no good so, answers. But hey, that's how we got Jackie Pullinger. So here she is. <laughs> I uh, suppose. <laughs> Jackie, uh, are you there? 
Josh, can you put I'm the camera here. over? Okay. I'm here. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, now I can see me. Oh dear. <laughs> okay, so Jackie, you are in uh, you are in Hong Kong at the moment, and so that's yes. why it's nine p.m. our time, and it's morning for you. Well, mm -hmm. um, Jackie, uh, maybe you could just start out. Take us to um, just beginning of your life. How you got saved and saved and called into missions. Just kind of, I know that's maybe two different stories, but just take us to your early life. We want to do a little biography here. Yeah, my very early life was um, when I was uh, about five and uh, a missionary came to our Sunday school. Um, and she, I mean, she was a real missionary. She, you know, she had a, a, a bun, the whole bit. And uh, she, she pointed her finger at each one of us. We were sitting on baby chairs. And she said, and could God want you on the mission field? So I remember thinking, um, well, the answer to the question can, cannot be no. I'm sure God wants everyone on the mission field. I had no idea what a mission field was. Um, but in my imagination, it was like a football pitch. So... Um, after that, I, I told my friends, I'm going to be a missionary. And that did not go down well um, because uh, they used it against me, you know. So one of my little friend's mother said when I was naughty, and I thought you were going to be a missionary. So I learned to shut up about God and mission. But, of course, I didn't like him that much uh, in those days. Uh, very much later, um, when I was a music student, um, I more or less wasted my time at, uh, at, at college and avoided the Christian Union uh, as much as I could because um, they were all organists and I really liked the brass section. So um, that didn't help. Um, but when I met some old school friends um, on a train. Uh, they looked at me and I, I was coming back from an awful party because um, I went to a lot, a lot of awful parties. And uh, they looked at one another and said, oh, she really needs Jesus. And mercifully didn't say that to me. Um, just said, oh, we have, um, we have coffee parties. Uh, every Wednesday and we talk about uh, God and other things and there are some really nice men. So I thought, oh, well, that's good because I, I did want to meet some nice men. So um, <laughs> I, went and, uh, I met a very, a really nice one. That's how I met Jesus. Uh, you, the son and, of God. It was the man that you met. That, that's right. They were the first people who said they believed in Jesus, who looked as if they liked him. Um, so <laughs> so that, that was the first time I actually began to listen um, to what they were saying. And um, so I heard the speaker at this coffee party saying, uh, I'm the way, the life and the truth. And I, oh, my goodness, Jesus said it. I thought I thought it was the Baptists um, because 
because I used to run past a, 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 a Baptist um, church which which had this uh, on a board outside, and I'd never really um, computed that it was actually Jesus that said it. So um, I, I then had to decide if, if I was going to believe um, that he was the only way or not and came to the unhappy conclusion that he was. Um, and and it was a very mean conversion. Um, I said, dear, dear Lord, I do not like this very much. I'd much rather be wide than narrow. And um, But I'm afraid I'm going to have to accept that you are the only way. Um, and that was the, the mean the, the mean bit um, but of course he wasn't mean and after that I understood that uh, it was the widest invitation in the world because all can come um, wow. and that's how uh, that's how I met met the Lord um, and then the, so the the childhood missionary thing came back okay so you maybe surprised C.S. Lewis as the most dejected and reluctant convert in all of England, as he described it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, so Jackie, go what ahead, happened Josh. after the the yeah the, after the conversion story? Um, you know, most of us don't get converted and then go, boom, let's go to China and be a missionary. What was your what was the was there a transition process? Was it just like had no, your face set? No. Like, how, how did you go from point A to point B? Uh. In 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 about one minute, because um, I was I was sitting with some friends and they were we were doing a Bible study and they were thanking the Lord they had eternal life and I thought, oh, oh well I just filled in the blanks in that booklet and so it it was John three sixteen so I have eternal life. Um, and that's really good. And I was happy for about uh, 30 seconds. Uh, and then I thought, oh, well, that means some people don't. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure if I can enjoy eternal life if there are some people that don't. So um, my friends went on to cook risotto. And um, I, I looked at them and I thought, ah, how, how can you? how can you eat risotto when there are people who are perishing? So I, I went out uh, and found a, a woman sleeping on a bench. Um, and that was my response. If this is true, um, that I have eternal life, I, I want everyone to, to have that opportunity to know mm. God's love. Praise um, God. In, in, instead of eating risotto, um, so, um, then, then, then the childhood, uh, missionary thing came back and I, I, I started praying and I said, said to the Lord, you know, I only have one life, um, and I would not like to be ashamed at the end of it. Uh, I would like to answer well. So, uh, uh, what shall I do? Cause I have a whole life, um, and every time I prayed uh, through scripture or uh, later on there were dreams and visions and, and so on. This was, um, this was in 1960, uh, 
the end of 65 um, and uh, dreams and visions and every time the Lord said go so I said um, yes I understand go but um, would you please tell me where and that was where the uh, journey began. Okay, now you you received some advice around then because it, uh, I think you applied to several missionary agencies, societies, and your application wasn't being received. And then you you talked to to one man. I'm trying to remember his name. I know you remember his name, uh, but uh, mm. th that's right. So uh, he gave you some advice that was really life changing for you. Uh, could you share that with us? Well, after the dream, um, and I'd been to a meeting where uh, someone spoke in tongues and there was an interpretation. None of that bothered me, but the, um, I was expecting to hear in the meeting, go to Africa or go to this place, you know, um, but it wasn't that, it was go. So I went to the uh, he, uh, he was a, a vicar, which is a, 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 an Anglican pastor. And I said, uh, listen, um, every time I pray, the Lord says go, but he's not being very helpful about where. Um, he just says, go and I'll show you. Uh, go and I'll lead you. Um, so uh, I got stuck. Uh, he's saying go and I'm saying where. He says, go and I'll show you. So I said to um, Richard Thompson, um, I think I'll stay in London and help you. And he said, no, 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 don't, don't, don't. If the Lord's telling you to go, you must go. Um, and, and I said, but I, I can't because I don't know where. And he said, um, why don't you get onto a ship? find the cheapest one you can that's traveling in the most different countries, get on the ship and pray to know where to get off. And it was like a bell went off in my heart and I thought, oh, that is such fun. I would love that. <laughs> so um, I said to him, that, that sounds wonderful, but it surely it's cheating because missionaries have to suffer and I'd love to do that. And he said, no, it's not cheating. And told me the story of Abraham and said um, he was told to go and he went without knowing where he was going and spent most of his life not getting there. So I found the cheapest ship I could, um, had all my uh, vaccinations for countries along the way in case I needed to get off there. And that's how I ended up in Hong Kong. <laughs> if okay. someone gave advice like that today to a young multiple teenager there would be a ton of blogs about them about spiritual abuse um yeah, yeah. how did how did it turn out for you i mean <laughs> well it, i think it would be um it was a word of wisdom and you mm. as you know about words of wisdom you can't use them twice you know mm. um otherwise you'd solve That's all good. problems with sword like um like solomon did so um it, so you don't think was, this word was like like applicable like for all people everywhere yeah. like you think this was like a no. right now kind of for jackie no, sort of divinely wisdom. revealed wisdom for the moment wow. first corinthians 12 right. the gift of words of wisdom i think that's what yes. you're talking about is that right, Jessica? Wow, wow, wow. That's right. 
So that's why I I reacted with such joy, you know. I, I oh, that's such fun. And he was a very very conservative man, you know, and not to saying things like that. Um, but it made complete sense to him and complete sense to me. So um, I, I, if people say, oh, Jackie got on a boat and prayed to know where to get off, why don't you? I'd say, no, that was my word. You can't have it. <laughs> Praise God. I love that. Okay, so you arrive in Hong Kong. You ultimately minister in the walled city. The descriptions in your book of the walled city I, it it was you know what why, why don't you just describe for our uh, our viewers maybe just put it into words I don't know like what is the walled city why did it exist and what was it like maybe give us some of those images and pictures of just what it's like when you walk in through those alleyways well first of all it didn't look like a city um it was uh, it just looked like a big block because um, all the all the buildings were uh, built to join on the other buildings and so there were just a few gaps in between just three or four feet wide so you had to squeeze in between the building it was like going down a a rabbit hole and and so you squeeze in between the buildings and it was dark because um when i first went there there was no electricity Later on, um, there was some um, that people ran a line in from outside, and then everybody else tapped off the, that that one, ran their own line. So above your head, there were um, there were electric wires. Later, um, but when I went in, the, there wasn't electricity and there wasn't water, um, and this was because it was an illegal place. Um, when Britain and China in the 19th century um, made the agreement about Hong Kong um, being ceded to Britain, um, they left out this place. It, it's a bit like the city of London within London. This was the walled city within Kowloon. And they, they said, we, we don't care whether it's British or Chinese, we, we have our own government. So uh, they they were excluded from the treaty. So uh, a few years later, Britain said to China, this was in the 19th century, um, after all, we'd like to include the, the walled city, take, remove the exclusion clause from the treaty. And China said, what treaty? Um, feeling cheated about mm -hmm. Hong Kong anyway. So um, So it became a place that was lawless and the police couldn't go in um but they officially but they did because i later on i found they were running um a, a lot of the the businesses or rather making money off them um mm. because there was a whole lot of uh, corruption so in hong kong dollars there were about a hundred thousand dollars a day was was being paid in 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 bribes but go Continuing down the, the dark street, I didn't know any of this. Um, I just saw a man uh, running his fingers uh, through, through a sewer because the sewers beneath your feet were open. Um, at, there was only one toilet in the whole 
walled city at that time um, uh, with, with no running water. Um, and uh, he was running his fingers through to uh, see if there's anything, a coin or anything that had dropped because he was a, a drug addict. That was my, my first sight of a drug addict. Of course, I had no idea what, what they did. He just looked hopeless and was wearing flip-flops. And uh, continuing down the street, I uh, later was going to learn that the lady sitting on a box, uh, who was probably in her 60s or 70s, was looking after girls who were prostitutes. Um, of course, now I know they are slaves. Um, they, they, they would have been sold or tricked into prostitution. And so the whole walled city was a place where you could commit crimes. There were 32 opium dens, um, tiny uh, and slimy, um, but 32. Um, and there was a big heroin den, uh, which was made out of tin, um and gambling dens um so people came in to commit crimes or they came in to hide from um the police because they committed crimes outside and it was run by two main triads uh, that those are uh, chinese uh, gangs a bit like mafia um, how how old but, are you when this is all happening, Jackie? Like you're oh, you're I'm walking right. through. Age, I, but I was I finished college. <laughs> okay, okay. So you're so you were young college Just, age, walking yeah. through the the slums. You know, sewage exposed, drug addicts mm. present, um, um, opioid addicts, uh, m- multiple uh, you know uh, uh, people in this community that are addicted. You've got one toilet and a bunch of gangs coming in to do crimes. And you're a young lady by yourself. Like, did you did you join a group of people? Like, how? Like, what were were you terrified going into the situation? I mean, that's well, describing well, this sounds like something in a movie. No, it 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 does look like a movie set. I mean, I I still dream about it, and it's um, it, it always looks like a movie set. It's uh, it's completely extraordinary. Um, just dark and black and and slippery um but a missionary took me in she had a school in there and uh, the second time i went in um i just felt really happy and uh you know you know when when you're in love or or or, or when it's your birthday or somebody said you're beautiful you know you get a sort of mm, inside you and that's how I, I felt um, and I thought oh why am I feeling like this you know it's not my birthday and nobody said I'm beautiful so then I realized um, I'm I'm happy because I'm here and I loved it uh, so I, I wasn't afraid I, I began to help in that missionary school and the children that I was teaching um, would take me out each time. And because I was with the children, the gangsters were, were pleased with me because of course they, they wanted the, the children to be at school and be looked after. So in a sense, the children were, were my protection. 
and that was how I got to know the streets because um, it's like a maze inside. Um, and then I, I, because I was teaching in the school, um, it wasn't free um, and they couldn't even afford, it would be like for you um, about half of one of your dollars a month to go to school and most of, most of the people in there couldn't afford that. It was just the the uh, the first uh, few grades of school. Um, nobody went to 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 uh, past grade uh, six. And um, uh, one of the young boys there, who was fourteen, uh, was kicked out of this Christian school and began to sell tickets at um, at a pawn theater inside where some of the girls who'd been sold were doing uh, some live sex shows and I was so sorry for him um, I thought what happens when you're kicked out of a Christian school you know his, his father's a drug addict his mother's a prostitute and he's selling tickets in a pawn theater when he's 14 so uh, mm. I would like to have a place where someone like him could come. And so uh, that's why I started a youth club in there found, and, and found a room and began to take the, the, uh, the young kids um, for, for uh, roller skating and swimming and, and summer camps and things like that. Huh. So I'm, I'm kind of noticing a little bit of a thread in your story of joy is a part of your calling. And I want to kind of pry into that a little bit because so the, the man gives you a word of wisdom, hop on a slow boat, you end up going to China, but you think in your head, this is too much fun. And it's kind of funny, the contrast in your conversion where you're a reluctant convert, like, oh, I don't want that. And then you didn't really get too, ex you were too excited maybe at first about being a missionary, but then as the Lord begins to work on your heart and you hear this word of wisdom for joy, like, oh, this sounds like too much fun. And then you go and you arrive and there are probably lots of happier places in Hong Kong than the walled city. I mean, the walled city, I mean, the, the darkness of it, you talk in your book about just blood in the streets, rats that don't even run away because they're just so used to people. And it just, uh, just the darkness of the of the whole thing and you're like it feels like my birthday it feels like someone just told me i'm beautiful the joy that you felt while you were there and so i'm seeing and so i guess my question is talk to me about like maybe that tension between doing really hard things and carrying across and god actually speaking to you through your joy insofar as it relates to your calling and maybe even apply that to to us and our calling and uh, so does that does that question make sense? Yeah, but I didn't think of it like that. Um, you know, when when people visited Hong Kong later um, and said, "Oh, they were praying about what God wanted them to do," I I thought, "Oh, you've seen the walled city. Would you not like to stay here for the rest of your life?" Because I thought it was the most wonderful place. I really didn't understand people that didn't want to um, be there. Um, but, you know, it was just my, it, 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 
it was just my gift, um, it, grace, I guess you you you'd call it, from from God that I re really enjoyed what He sent me to do, um, and so it it didn't feel hard. Um, the, of course, there would be hard times. Of course, of course, of course. But um, I've always thought that it's easier to do the will of God than not. It has to be. Mm. I love it that. His yoke is easy. Yeah. It has to be easier to do what he's made you for than, than not. Uh, I mean, you know, if you don't, you get swallowed by a whale or something. You know, be, it, 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 has, it has to be easier. <laughs> easier well, to I'd, chase the I'd... dragon than swallow a whale huh <laughs> or be swallowed by a whale uh, Josh, what were you well no i was going to actually ask uh, you, you brought it up chasing the dragon uh the title of your book chasing the dragon uh you you quote revelation 12 uh, and the dragon there uh, i assume the dragon that's going to snatch up the man child you know woman 12 you know 12 stars in her hair clothed the sun man child in her belly standing on the moon and this dragon's going to snatch up this man-child. And it seems like you've connected this also to uh, the, the chasing of the dragon, which is a colloquial term. Can you maybe connect all that to for us and, and, and actually show us like, like the, the meaning and the title of your book there? Yeah, the, there's, um, there's a phrase in Cantonese, which is joilong, um, which is, uh, literally means chasing the dragon. Um, it's a way of taking heroin so they would uh, get a, a matchbox or a toilet roll and put it in their mouth uh, and then take some silver foil and uh, put the white powder on it, which is heroin. Um, and then uh, with a, a, a match uh, or a lighter, um, put it uh, under the silver foil until the white powder became like toffee um, and then they would inhale the fumes and as as they tilted the, the foil downwards um, and it would run down and then they would tilt it back and it would run back so that's why it's called chasing the dragon um, and I've some of our people did um, a film show uh, 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 a musical um, a few years ago about chasing the dragon and it was uh, they did a wonderful dance um, in which um, the dragon is called Miss White um, uh, that's a colloquial term for heroine is Miss White and so Miss White and uh, is also the dragon and it was um, in the dance, it was the, the visual um, interpretation of the seduction. Uh, she seduces um, men who want her and love her, and she promises much. Um, but when they get her, um, she's only... only gives them a thrill briefly and then disappoints them. And so they are left hating her uh, until they want her again. So this is a really um, uh, uh, the picture of, of Satan, um, the dragon, who's 
who seduces um, us, who seduces men with promises, um, but it disappoints even if the thrill is there briefly. Uh, and so you try again uh, to see if it's better next time. Um, so when, when I wrote the, the book, Chasing the Dragon, it, it, it fitted into the Revelation um, passage um, where it says they overcame uh, the ancient serpent. Um, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Um, so it, that was um, a scripture that dis describes what I find myself in, um, was overcoming the works of the enemy, which Jesus did on the cross, but which he invites us to continue um, by doing what he did, um, by loving people, uh, by not loving your own life so much as to shrink from death, and from um, sharing testimony. So um, that's what I find myself in the middle of doing. Uh, I never would have thought of drug addicts. I mean, when I left England, people weren't even talking about drug addicts. Um, and I would never choose it today. I wouldn't advise anybody, but it was what I find myself in the middle of. Uh, because after a few years of the youth club, a whole lot of good people <laughs> left. Um, they, they found out that um, I didn't have any money and no church was backing me. Um, and I, I had been teaching at, at, at a school, a very good school for a few years, as well as being in the walled city. So I was in the walled city in the evenings and the weekends and school holidays, and I supported myself, but I had no church behind me. And when, when people found out that I wasn't a missionary that was going to benefit them uh, by getting them into the right school or giving them a baptism certificate, which would possibly get you to America, um, or, or or introducing them to something good. You know, people join churches for those reasons. Um, and they found out I'd got none of the, those benefits. Um, I couldn't even get them a burial spot, you know, because um, you have to be a certified church to get a burial spot. Um, so the, the good people peeled off and I was left with all the gangsters. <laughs> and they stayed because they liked me. So... Um, that's, I found myself in the middle of all of that, and I had prayed, um, dear Lord, it would be worth my whole life if you'd use me to save just one. Um, and by the way, I don't need to know which one. Um, so I used to have... Christian meetings in my youth club and they nobody came in um, they all went out to smoke um, when I had the Christian bit um, and they came back in for the for the darts and the ping pong and everything else but um, I I was really happy to be there um, and 
And now there's a verse in, in scripture, um, it's 1 Corinthians 15, 58, that says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because you know that whatever you do is not in vain. So it, on one hand, I was very happy to not see any results. Um, and I, I still feel like that. On the other hand, I read in the scripture that um, we would do the things that he had done and even, even greater. Um, and I walked into the drug dens um, and I saw people who were going to die. And I said, um, I'm impatient. Um, so I was patient about not seeing results. I was also impatient to see that the kingdom come because if I Amen. didn't, they would die within a year. Wow. So um, I, I, I love the tension between patience and impatience because the opposite of patience is not impatience. The, the opposite of patience is unbelief. So you can be patient and impatient at the same time. Uh, so I began to pray, Lord, whatever you have that will help me to make you real. Because all these guys here are very impressed by me, but they're not changed. And I want mm. to see them change because they'll die before they've lived. Wow. I love that because it's for you, it wasn't like it is sometimes here in America with charismatics where we're like, uh, and Josh and I, we're very much believe in the gifts. Um, but sometimes in charismatic churches, it can be, well, uh, I want miracles, but it's so that I could just see something cool. It's so that uh, we can have a miracle sideshow and get more people in the building. You know, those are the kinds of things you see sometimes. I remember driving by a charismatic church here in America and it, and it said, uh, and it says, come Thursday night, signs and wonders. And I'm like, mm. it was this tiny little building. I'm like, I bet it'd be a bigger building if there were really signs. Anyway, maybe that's the skeptic in me. But but you're saying I needed miracles because people were dying. Now, I want to talk about that a little bit because the, there was a shift in your ministry when it came to results. And it came down to the way you describe it in your book. There was a, a Christian couple that you met that had a conversation with you about have you received the Holy Spirit? And it kind of went back and forth. Oh, of course I received the Holy Spirit and so on. Um, and and this ends up changing your ministry in, in very powerful ways. But I, I'd love for you to tell us that story uh, of interacting with this, with this Christian couple, kind of what you learned from that and how that, just the before and the after. Could you share that story? Yeah. Yeah. Um... They were just an ordinary uh, couple, not uh, not so educated. And I, I used, I was playing a a, a, a pump uh, organ. This was before electric pianos, in a little chapel in, at, on the edge of the walled city, and um, and I could see they'd got something. Um, when I had met a, a young drug addict in the streets, um, I. I didn't know what to do with him. Um, the, the best I could do was write, write him a note and say, I'll meet you and take you to a clinic. Um, but when I saw this couple, I thought, no, they'd pray for him. Um, 
and I want whatever it is they've got, which I didn't know what to call it. So uh, at the end of the meeting, I, I talked with them and I thought they were very rude um, because they said, uh, uh, you haven't got the Holy Spirit. And I said, I have, I know. Um, and I, of course, I knew I was right because uh, I, I, I'd read a little booklet at some time which said, have you received the Holy Spirit? And I thought, strange question. And I prayed um, and in faith I'd received. So, of course, now I, I teach on it now. <laughs> Uh, now I know the answer, but in those days, um, of course, I was right. I did have the Holy Spirit because I was born of the Spirit. Um, yeah. But I wanted what they had because I want. So I argued uh, with them until I said to the Lord, dear God, I'm so sorry. I'm going to quit arguing. Um, I'm, it, it doesn't matter if um if i've if i've got the holy spirit and they say i haven't i want whatever you have from your spirit that will help me to make you real um so i'll decide what to call it later <laughs> and um so I, i'm not sure if i've really decided <laughs> but anyway um i went <laughs> I went to their house uh, and uh, they were really uh, uh, way over the top Pentecostals. Um, I mean, they prayed, they, they said grace in tongues, you know. Um, and I was sitting on their sofa, which was a black plastic sofa. And they put their hands on, on my head and, he, and they said, and now you speak. Um, and I sat there just perspiring and the, the 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 plastic sofa was getting damp because they it they, no air conditioning and uh i thought well this is awful um they they're just saying open your mouth and speak and and i was saying i'm not going to open my mouth if god's going to give me this gift of tongues i had no objection to the gift by the way because i seen it in the scripture but uh, if God's going to give it to me God's going to give it to me I'm not going to do it um, which of course is foolish um, what if you keep your mouth shut so finally I opened my mouth to say dear Lord please help me because I want to go home and um, <laughs> and, I, and he gave me a, a, a beautiful language but my response was um, embarrassment. Um, actually, I'm still embarrassed by the gift. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I said, thank you, Lord, for this. Um, but I really do want to go home. And I thank you so much that it was this couple, because I couldn't have done it with the British people. So, uh, so I tried to go home as as quickly as possible, and they they said as I went out of the door. By the way, there are other gifts, um, and I said, "Oh yes, thank you very much," because um, I had read one Corinthians twelve. Um, so I went home, and I didn't see them again. And I 
tried praying in tongues and honestly it didn't feel like anything um it wasn't doing anything for me and my life didn't change and um so and the other gifts didn't appear i didn't know how you knew about healing or discernment you know so didn't know and then a year later i met some americans who um asked me uh jackie do you do you pray in tongues and i thought oh, it's just because they're american you know because the brits aren't going to ask you that so i said no i don't and they said why not and i said well you know all the all the books i read people sort of sat on a mountaintop or floated on a cloud or something you know um or it, it felt exuded love you know and i just didn't i just felt embarrassed when i when i prayed in tongues so i haven't gone on doing it and they said to me you are very rude uh, you're an evangelical and you believe in the scripture and the scripture says if you pray in tongues you'll be built up it doesn't say you'll feel built up so do it um <laughs> so i did and i didn't feel built up built up but i began to pray half an hour a day in tongues and and i was saying dear lord please use me to to reach people with your love um and to save lives um and after about six weeks um i bumped into people in the street in the wall city and told them about jesus and they they believed and prayed for sick people and they were healed and i thought oh my chinese has got a bit good um the interesting thing was i was saying the same things as i'd said before um and i i now understand it's the whole secret of mission um i was now saying them to the people god had got ready um so that's what mission is he gets people's hearts ready he sends you to the people he's prepared. And I could have said tomato ketchup um, and they would have been saved. It was just, you know, so you can't be, you can't be proud. It's just that I, it was, I understood I was in God's plan. Um, wow. And that's what praying in tongues um, did. It, it, and I still didn't feel anything when I prayed in tongues. But when people's lives changed, then I was emotional. So, you know, you're reminding me of this little book that was published by, well, actually, it's, I don't think it's published yet on evangelism by Lexham Press. And um, they talked, they sent me a copy of it last week. And uh, it's, it's got this chapter in there where he says that, you know, our missions of evangelism, sometimes we think that it's like, if we don't say it just the right way, this person is damned for eternity. He goes, but really, um, our job is much more like a, an officiant on a wedding you know, that bride and that groom, it's important as the officiant to to actually marry them, but they have a long story before you showed up there. And God has been working That's on right. this person for a long time before they ever stand before you. And yes, that, that gospel officiation is meaningful and important, but God's really been the one that's been courting this person up into this moment. Uh, so I, I, I think that's a beautiful picture, but, but you mentioned tongues. Okay. So I'm, I have heard some stories about you, Jackie, in tongues. I I need to know some of these things because 
I, I'm in the, so you don't know my background. Uh, I came through uh, Steve Hill's church. So when Steve left Brownsville, he came and planted uh, Heartland in Texas. And I grew up in that church as a kid. So Steve and Leonard Ravenhill and these guys, like they, like they, they look to you and talk of you as like the, 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 this tongues gift. And like, they would, they speak of it in a way that you don't speak of it. You're like, I'm still kind of embarrassed by it. So I'm curious, there are these stories of you praying over drug addicts in tongues, lots of them, and them being like miraculously healed. Could you, could you maybe tell us like how you begin to use this gift for this practice and, and how regular that actually was? And maybe a follow-up uh, question that you should probably expect. Um, it, it, people are going, is that biblical? <laughs> there it is. There's the follow-up question that you would probably expect us to ask. Okay. Um, well, the it, it happened, um, you might say, sovereignly with the first two. Uh, one had been sent to guard me um, after my youth club got bashed up. Um, anyway, it's a long story, but he came in one day after um, he, uh, I, I'd been talking to him about Jesus, and he was an, an opium addict. And um, he began to pray. He began to sing, um, give me oil in my lamp. It was the only song he knew because he, he, I used to sing it in the Christian meetings that only I went to but he'd been listening outside the door. Um, and then he began to pray in tongues, um, which I had not told him about. And so he oh. prayed for about half an hour. And uh, then he he was through his opium addiction. Um, and then another one on a summer camp, um, when, when he met Jesus, he was also, a, he was a heroin addict and he prayed in tongues and that night had a dream. Um, and in which Jesus came into a hut on the mountain and put his hands on his head, and he had no more pain. He, uh, he was uh, no more withdrawal pains, and we baptized him in the sea. Um, so I, with those first two, I thought, well, this is very simple. All I have to do is walk into drug dens, um, lay my hands on drug addicts and they'll start speaking in tongues and um that's that um of course i didn't understand addiction um and uh, later on i learned that both of them um didn't have homes one of them actually lived in the opium den and although he'd come off drugs miraculously um he he needed a, a place to live. He needed to grow up in Christ. I thought he would be ready to go out to work the next day, but of course not. Um, so I I needed to learn about addiction. So um, it, it it's a long long story. But um, through the American couple, um, I had learned that everybody can receive the gift of tongues. Um, a lot of people. In fact, most evangelicals I've ever met have prayed at some time, dear Lord, if you want me to speak in tongues, give it to me, and nothing happens. Um, and it's a bit like me waiting for it to happen. Um, but I had learned through the American couple that uh, the, there is a way to help people receive this gift in the same way that 
if somebody said, oh, I really want to know Jesus as my savior, you would probably say, okay, let's sit down and pray. And you'd help them to receive him. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't say, oh, go home and maybe it'll happen. And that's the problem with the gift of tongues is that um, we can lay hold of it, but most people aren't going to be bossy enough. I, I will be bossy enough because uh, I've met so many people that are disappointed. They've prayed and nothing happened. But I, I was learning with these home church meetings that the Americans had, that everybody who would like could receive this gift. So when, I've, when drug addicts started to knock on my door and say, oh, w Winston um, got off drugs because he believed in Jesus and he lived in your home. So I'll believe in Jesus and I'll live in your home because they thought it went together, which I rather think it does. Um, and so I, I would say, okay, close your eyes and let's meet Jesus. And they would meet Jesus. And then I'd say, he'll give you a prayer language. Now begin to speak. And they would all begin to speak in tongues. It's very, very easy. Um, when somebody's meeting Jesus to receive this oh. gift. It's it's tougher if they've learned that some people do and some people don't. Or might it might happen five years later, you know, when you hear those stories, it's not helpful. So they all prayed in tongues and then we learned how to do it. Um, when they were coming off drugs, we would sit with them um, and I would pray in tongues and they would pray in tongues. It's such a super gift. Um, I mean, I'm embarrassed because it's it's really a private gift. It's for personal use, mostly, um, a, a, apart from um, public use every now and again. But uh, it's such a good, good gift. It's like babies cry when they're born and they know exactly what they want to say. They, they, they want to say I'm hungry or I'm wet or pick me up. Um, and it's just they haven't learned the language. So tongues for a new believer who's very muddled in his head because he's a drug addict is such a super way of getting out what you don't know how to say, but you want to say. So I think that's why that when we pray with people and they pray in tongues, after a few minutes, they'll probably go to sleep and they don't have any withdrawal pains. Um, we just learned to do this and it's we've done it with thousands and we're still doing it. Um, we, uh, that's um, how we've had lots and lots of houses, uh, 287 in all, um, which we borrowed or rented, even brothels uh, when we need to take one more in and we have no more space. Uh, a, a, a brothel is a hotel you can rent for the night. Um, so in all, we've, we've because um, people have joined me, um, prayed with thousands of people in over 200 houses. And they will all, um, if they pray in tongues, be able to get off drugs without medication and without pain. Um, and isn't that wonderful? I mean, yeah, fantastic. I just, 
I, you, you I, would expect the Lord to be like that, wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, it sounds a whole lot like he who speaks in the tongues edifies himself. It kind of sounds like that. So, you know, it just it makes me curious about you went there with no knowledge of drug addiction, no knowledge of rehabilitation and tactics for rehabilitation. So you go there and this is a big problem in Hong Kong at the time and probably still is. I don't know. And there are rehab facilities. And so I'm just imagining I, I, it, I'm curious these facilities that have been honing their practices for years and every person or almost every person has massive withdrawal symptoms. And it, it, I mean, it's basically a living hell and many addicts go back because of that. And then they look at you tongue speaking lady who comes in with no experience, la 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 speaking some language and they speak in some language and all these addicts are coming off. What are the people saying? Like, the rehab, both Christian and non-Christian, like what are they, they just, do they just dismiss it? Do they say you're making it up? Do they say, wow, I hey, believe in Jesus now? Like what's happening over there? I'm, I'm just curious well, how they're only, processing this. There was only one Christian rehab um, at that time. Um, and there was a, there was a government supported uh, secular one on an island uh, where they gave them sleeping pills and other other medication to help them off. Of course, you've got to get off the other medication in the end, so it it it, it really doesn't help, and the drug addicts aren't fooled um, either because they understand that one one drug has replaced another. Um, but I, we weren't. I wasn't visible at this time. Um, not at all visible. I, I I you know I'm I'm. I'm on your radio show, uh, disappointingly visible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, 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 I rather would not be visible. But you know, when when I was praying these people off drugs, um, the people in the churches didn't know. No, nobody knew. This is just where the addicts knew, um, and the people that sleep in the streets and in the prisons, they knew. There wasn't. There was hardly a street sleeper I could meet who hadn't heard. Oh, mm. if you wow. believe in Jesus, uh, you can go and live at Jackie's place, you know, um, and uh, and and you can get off drugs. Um, so they knew, but the, but the rest of the church and the world didn't. Uh, we mm. we were mercifully hidden. Um, and using, I was using my own apartment, and then uh, and then a friend's apartment, and then we rented another one, and rented another one, and so on. So it it just it just grew, and it was much much later that um, I we became visible, uh, and that was when the government had lent us some tin huts, um, and we began to. Um, house some of the people who got off drugs in our other houses in all around Hong Kong, a lot of them. Um, so after a few months, they would come to this place and um, we worshipped on Sunday afternoons. And uh, then people from other churches started to come. They We didn't invite them, they just came. Um, and it was the only place in Hong Kong at that time. This was in the uh, 80s 
um, and then the 90s. It's the only place in Hong Kong where people openly used spiritual gifts. And I'd met John Wimber and we and I loved the worship. Yes. So we did lots of worship and we prayed for people. And nowhere in Hong Kong was doing that. So then we became visible. Um, and people appeared from churches all over the world. And some of them were quite cross with me and said, you know, are you a fellowship or are you a church? And do you call yourself a pastor, you know? And is it right for women, you know? And, and I sort of looked at them and said, uh, fellowship or church? Well, I'll be whichever one you'd like, really. The, and then how did you get all these people? And, and I said, well, just sort of grew. Um, they hadn't seen the, the 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 years where we were doing. I was doing night duties, you know, every night and and sleeping in my day clothes, um, be, and I had no helpers. They didn't see the years when I was weeping and tired, uh, and where some of the people I'd met from John Wimbers came. Um, and visited me and said, Jackie, why are you always crying? Um, and let us take you and your staff off for a retreat. And of course, that was a stupid thing to say because I didn't have any staff. Um, and <laughs> I, I couldn't leave the, the people that I was living with. I couldn't leave them. Um, so it would have been better if those people had said, Jackie, we will learn Chinese. We'll stay, we'll look after your people so you can go and have a rest. Um, wow. But they they didn't understand uh, that when, when we give up our lives, other people find life. So I was crying mm. because some of the people who'd come to the Lord and got off drugs had run away. Um, so I wasn't crying for myself. So all those, all those weeping times, nobody saw. Um, and I was crying about people who left and saying, Lord, how do we, how do I do this better? Uh, they, they get off drugs. Okay. But I want them to stay off drugs, you know? So I was learning all those hidden years, nobody Nobody understood the crying. Nobody understood the working out of something, which you have to do. Mm. If you're, if, if you follow Jesus and you see a promise in the Bible and he says, you know, this will happen and you don't see it happen, you have to work it through, um, however many years it takes. So those years were hidden uh, and people were, were, were angry with the fruit Oh, or jealous, you know, uh, now you've got all these people. Why don't I take over your, your church? Because, you you know, you shouldn't be leading it because you're a woman. I mean, really stupid stuff. Um, and when we were visible, um, people wanted an explanation of how it had happened. Um, and, of course, how it had happened was... Um, really because I didn't care um, to be setting records. Um, in 2000, 
2 Corinthians 4, verse 12. It says, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Um, and if you do give up your life for the lost, um, it is death is at work in you. So you are tired and you will cry, but you're not crying for yourself. I was not sorry for myself. I wasn't discouraged. I wasn't weary of doing good works. I was just uh, tired physically, which is fine. Um, it, it's not fashionable for a Christian to be tired, but it was really fine because Jesus was. And um, people want to skip that now. They, they want the gifts of the Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, somebody's life is instantly changed. Well, they instantly got off drugs, but that was the easy bit. Then they needed to grow up into a new life um, so, so that they wouldn't go back to drugs. Um, so now we've got fruit. Now we're visible, if you like. Um, and people were jealous of the numbers, um, but probably not jealous of doing night duties for a whole year. All the labor that led up to it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're definitely towards the end of our program and I don't want to take more of your time. Um, I do though think that it would be, it would be almost necessary because we have two different camps, some that, that assume an implied gospel presentation and others who are hearing the story about tongues and they're, they're more familiar with the cessationist side of things. And, and they're assuming there's no gospel presentation in this bit. So, so when, when you meet these people, they've heard about this Jackie, you know, okay, I can go live in their house. I can get off drugs. She'll help me do that. When does the, the gospel presentation come into that process? When they're clean, before they're clean? Um, and, and maybe just share with okay. us, like, how, how would that process go? And, and what gospel presentation were you sharing with them? Okay. Um, I, I learned that my gospel presentations um, didn't work. Uh, because they were what I call Greek. They are four steps or uh, three things beginning with Y or the bridge of life or something, which are really good, uh, but they're, they're Greek. They're logical to the person that wrote the book. And the, the, the people I was meeting, whether they were drug addicts or uneducated people, they're Hebrew. They understand stories. They understand spiritual things, by the way, but they do not understand logical things. And so when I had tried to present the gospel in a logical way, um, they were bored before we got to the good bit. So I began to look at scripture and said, Jesus, how did you do it? How was it that you could walk down a street and people would run after you and a, a woman with an embarrassing disease would uh, just want to touch your cloak. I want that so that people recognize you, not to talk about you, but meet you. So I'll, I'll tell you how, how we worked it out and um, give you an example uh, about a street sleeper friend of mine um, who uh, I'd invited to tea and I was sitting by a, a very fat uncle and the, the, the street sleeper came in and said to the fat uncle, why are you so fat? 
because they'd been in prison together. And uh, the fat one said, it's Jesus. And the thin one said, oh, I'll have him because he was a drug addict. Um, and he was just the most awful looking man. And I, I so I said, okay, if you'll have Jesus, close your eyes and he'll come. So I'm praying silently in the spirit. Um, and I'm, I'm saying, Jesus, he, he wants to meet you because his old friend has been changed. Will you reveal yourself to him? Because that's what I want. It's called the spirit of revelation. Will you reveal yourself to him? Not me, not me explain about you and then say, yes, I want to meet Jesus. So the other way around, I call it spirit to spirit. Um, so I prayed in the spirit for about a minute and then I could see him beginning to relax and smile. And I said, how do you feel? And he said, oh, I feel uh, very comfortable. Um, and, uh, and I said, well, that's because Jesus is God's son. Uh, will you believe he's God's son? Yes. And then I prayed in the spirit silently and he's beginning to relax. And I said, uh, how do you feel? now and he said i feel very loose in my chest and i said well that's because jesus was down here two thousand years ago and he put all the things you feel bad about and all the bad things that have been done to you he put them upon himself will you believe he died for you yes he's never heard it before but he wants what this other guy has got and if it's jesus died for you okay and then uh, after another 30 seconds, I said, um, will you believe that Jesus rose again from the dead? And he said, of course. They always say, of course. I've just met him. And he had just met him. Um, hmm. I can't explain this. And I said, would you like to follow him? He said, silly question. Of course I I, I've just met him. I'd love to follow him. And I said, well, tell him you'd like to give him all the things you've done wrong and you'd like a new life. Um, and that's how you start. So he did. And that's took about two minutes. So if you like, I'm presenting uh, an opportunity for Jesus to reveal himself through the spirit. So Jesus is doing the talk. Um, and I'm simply there watching the wonder happening. And this is mostly how we do it. Uh, instead of telling somebody about Jesus and saying, now, would you like to receive him? We, we say, close your eyes and you'll meet him. And they do. So it's it's missiologically it, you're contextualizing gospel message to your audience. I, I talked to my friend Will Hart. Um, he does the stuff at Iris Global, and we were talking about um, doing missions work in in Muslim countries. And he says, you know, I don't always pay, preach faith and repentance. I don't always preach repentance in those countries. 
And I think that my ears, my, my very evangelically trained Western ears and others were like, oh, you know, you don't preach repentance. What does that mean? You know, and then we started asking the questions and we realized that well, when a Muslim believes in Jesus, they acknowledge they have to turn from Islam and they're going to get killed for it. There is an implicit message of repentance in laden within the call of faith specifically to that community because they they already understand the the cultural mores of of you know uh, you know thou shalt not murder thou shalt not commit adultery like they understand those contexts uh, the faith message for them has an implicit message of repentance and what you're saying is that this message the true message you're not you're not not telling the message you're not not telling the message that that Jesus is the son of God, that he died for your sins and he rose from the dead. You're still giving them that message, but you're contextualizing it to the, the, the spiritual seeker that they are. Is that, would that be a fair way of, of, you know, regurgitating back to you what you said to me? Um, yeah, you could put it that way. Um, in, in, in fact, um, this works with most people who are hungry. Um, I call it spirit to spirit, and, and the chapter that explains this is 1 Corinthians 2. It's spiritual things and spiritual words. Um, it Not spiritual things in Greek words, spiritual things in spiritual wor- words. So, and spiritual words are whatever is going to make Jesus alive to the person who's hearing. Um not the formula that I believe they need in order to be saved. Now, the mind comes later. So when the scripture says you need to be able to explain why you believe, the mind is involved later. But um, we begin with without directing the spirit to the mind. We we ask the spirit to come and touch the spirit within them to make them alive. And then we'll go on with the uh, the repentance, etc., cetera, um, uh, as we go. Uh, and of, of course, the, there has to be um, a leaving behind. They want to leave behind their drugs. I mean, that's where they start. Um, yeah. That's good. Okay. I was looking up that quote uh, by D.L. Moody. Uh, <clears throat> this kind of reminds me of uh, a lady criticizes D.L. Moody for his methods of evangelism. Moody's reply was, I agree with you. I don't like the way I do it either. Tell me how you do it. The lady replied, I don't do it. And Moody responded, then I like my way of doing it better than your way of do- not doing it. <laughs> so, uh, I would say the results... The results speak for themselves. You're, you've led thousands of people to Christ, off drugs, transformed lives, and um, and so I, anyway, I was seeing some people in the chat kind of talking about it. So I, I would say D.L. Moody quote uh, applies to some of those folks. <laughs> anyway, um, Jackie, what an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for joining us live from Hong Kong. What time do you have over there? What time is it in Hong Kong? Uh, uh, 20 past 11 in the morning. Okay. Well, we're 20 past 10 at night. So <laughs> well, well, um, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Uh, Jackie, it's, it's inspiring to have you on the show. I, I'd like to just maybe ask um, if we could just close out, uh, if you have any closing thoughts, um, maybe even specifically 
I know there are going to be missionaries that are listening. There are going to be potential missionaries that are listening. There are going to be people who are listening who feel like they're Jackie 30 years ago, invisible, crying out to God and, and struggling and getting no rest. There will be people in all these different situations. So um, I, I wonder if there's maybe like an, uh, an encouragement that you'd like to share with people as well as maybe even closing out the show by just praying over us all. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the scripture I shared before from 1 Corinthians, um, uh, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because you know that whatever you do in his name is not in vain. And then the, the, the Hebrews, uh, uh, sorry, the Galatians scripture, um, let us not become weary in doing good. Uh, I'd really like to say to people, being worn out, physically tired is absolutely fine it's not in fashion now people think that um you've got to guard your borders which is really not scriptural you need them you need them uh, in your your tent pegs enlarged most people don't need the grace of god um because they're only doing what they think they can manage um you get the grace of god when you're stretched and it's fine to be tired but it's not fine to be weary in doing good because at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you will if we do not give up hmm. so uh if you're in the middle of the not seeing the harvest it's i want to bless you um because there will be a harvest and other people may reap the harvest that you are sowing um, and you may reap a harvest that other people have have sown. Um, but I bless you to to know that it's not about numbers. It, it's not about how many or how much you've done. It's just about being faithful. Um, and if it's one, if it's one man in the whole world that you are uh, appointed. Uh, to meet and touch, you've done well. Um, one man is worth it. One man Amen. is worth our life. Amen. Well, Jackie, I'm not going to lie. I teared up a little bit uh, several times <laughs> in this interview. Um, do you, could you just, uh, Josh, I don't know if you have anything else that you want to say to close out the show, um, but I just thought we'd maybe kind of finish with uh, with Jackie. I mean, we got the typical stuff. Guys, subscribe to the channel, share this around, like, comment, uh, yeah, crowd make a donation. All that's in the description, blah, 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 blah. But uh, that's not tongues. That's just blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, but uh, <laughs> Jackie, maybe you could close this out by just, just praying for however the Spirit leads you to, to pray over uh, whoever's listening. Dear Father, I ask you to send your spirit of revelation that we may begin to comprehend the height and the, the depth and the width of your extraordinary love. 
I ask that this spirit of revelation be at work in all who are listening, all who are watching, that we might better and increasingly know your love and that it be your love, your love for each person in the world, whether they know you or not, that is what we want to share. And I ask, Lord, that in the arguments of doctrine, in the arguments of theology, that it will be your love that covers all mm -hmm. um, and that we understand from your word more and more about your heart, but that we receive the spirit, not just the word. And we, I ask for everybody who's watching or listening that you would give them from your spirit whatever will help them to make you real to other people. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jackie, thank you so much for taking the time to being with us uh, for you today, for us this evening. Uh, and I just uh, I look forward to just keeping in touch in any way that we can. Uh, and then maybe uh, maybe just getting you for podcast here in the future since you have an aversion to video work. Uh, but I'll tell you that our audience is very built up, very encouraged by the interview. So I want to thank you very much for jumping on this program. As Michael said, there's all those links in the description. You can follow all that stuff. Uh, lots of interviews like this can be found on the channel. So we encourage you guys to check some of that stuff out. Jackie, I'm going to hit the finish button on this broadcast. The screen's going to fade to black. You would just stay on just for a second after we do uh, that fade out, uh, then uh, we'll, we'll chat just to hear a little sure. bit. Uh, but guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe, like the video, uh, as we're coming out with lots of content just like this. Blessings. want to thank Kairos Classrooms for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio. And if you're out there, you've ever wondered, hey, I wonder if learning a biblical language would be a supplemental tool for me to help me in my biblical studies. Well, you need to check out Kairos Classrooms. They offer Greek and Hebrew classes that can help teach you and train you. It's a live classroom environment with actual students and actual live teachers, and they help teach you the biblical languages of Greek in Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. There's a link in the description and you can use the promo code REMNANT to get 10% off. These classes are already crazy affordable, but with the promo code REMNANT, R-E-M-N-A-N-T, you'll get 10% off of Kairos Classrooms. So check that out today. And thank you so much for Kairos for sponsoring this episode of REMNANT Radio.